Shall we? Okay, so we are going to start chapter 7. Now, a few things. Um, chapter 7 is complicated. What? No, I think chapter 6 is actually not that complicated. It wasn't so complicated. I mean, I elaborated a lot about it, the, 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 the 10 different aspects. It's not complicated, right? Chapter 7 is actually complicated. Now we're talking chapter 7? What? Yes. We're about to start chapter 7. It's really hard for us to hear. Do we have any Well, if... if um, I mean, we finished chapter 6 yesterday, so... Yeah, but you're probably going to need the next page. Today? Probably. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Okay. 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 So, chapter seven, chapter seven deals with what's called klipas noga, which is that other category of klipa, or the fourth klipa, if you think about it, because there's three other klipas. Um, and it's complicated. It's extremely complicated. But we can do it. We're going we're to do it. Now, before we go into, before, before, we, before we go into it, I think it might be helpful um, just to make a few comments. Number one, there are two things that the Altarba spends a lot of time focusing on, specifically in Chapter 7. Um, so while there's the general idea of klipas, of, of klipas noga uh, and then contrasting out with the other klipas, he, he focuses very much on two very specific areas of klipa. One is food, okay? and the other is physical relationship between men and women. Now, um, we, are, we are going to be skipping all the sections that deal with relations between men and women. Um, and that is for two reasons. Number one, I don't think it's very modest to have a man teach those things to women. Number two, um, it is questionable of everything that is said in this chapter actually applies to women. Or to women. Okay? There are differences between men and women in terms of these matters, um, not just psychologically, but also physiologically. And therefore, there's some question as to how, if at all, is what he's saying here have a corollary with women or not. So being as both of those, both the modesty issue, the issue of sneas, and the question of to what degree is it relevant, I think it will suffice if we focus on just the general ideas and then the specifically food thing. So we're going to be skipping a little bit from time to time. I have taught chapter seven. I've never taught chapter seven to women inside the text. So I've taught chapter seven to women in a more lecture format. I have the advantage of just deciding what I'm gonna say and not say, and it's not obvious. But when we're reading in the text and I skip, skipping lines and paragraphs, um, I think you should know why we're gonna be doing that. Did the rabbi ever say if it's specifically for men or women? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Um, now, The so what I what I want to do um, in going through this chapter is 
make sure that we understand clearly all, there's a lot of different like levels and gradations. It's complicated, as I said. Make sure we understand that um, as clearly as possible. Because really what the Altarba's goal here is for a person not to be under any illusions. Right? Um, to, to, put it, to put it like this. Um, there are things in life which are complicated. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, if you are going to fly now, so there's all sorts of complications, right? Do you need a COVID test? Do you not need a COVID test? Do you have to be in quarantine? Do you not have to be in quarantine, right? Um, then there's the questions, passports, visas, yeah. right? All these things, right? Now, it's obviously incomparably easier to navigate that, right? If all of the complexity of those um, requirements, right, are clear to you, right? Somebody, you know, there's just an example that somebody I know, they took the wrong COVID test going to, to get back to Israel. So when they, they got to their, their connecting flight, they wouldn't let them on the connecting flight because even though they had a COVID test, it wasn't the COVID test that Israel takes. So it would have been nice if I had known that, they right? I don't know which one it was. They took rapid and PCR. Probably. That's not easy. Right, but you would like to know that, right? Yeah. Okay, so, and this is true in every area of life, right? Filing your taxes, right? There's all sorts of things, right? Um, it's true with health, right? Right, health is very complicated. Is something healthy, is it not healthy? And, and there's, there's a lot of ambiguity and confusion even amongst experts about this. So what we want to do, and what the author ever wants to do is for us to understand that while, that, that to have a, a, a very clear understanding of Klippa and how it works and how it changes, that it shouldn't be vague, it shouldn't be ambiguous, it should be very clear, very precise. But that doesn't mean that we get into complications. That's it, right? We have to get into the nitty-gritty details and the nuances, okay? The end result of that is a person can be much more rational about how they approach the klipa in their life, knowing what's ahead of them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we should think of this at, in the sense of not as condemnation of what we've done, right? Or even expectations of what we should do, but rather education about the nature of reality. And now, obviously, within within the circumstance, you have to want to do things as best as you can possibly do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, we mentioned a bunch of things that are the three impure klipas, and these three impure klipas are inherent, right? So we had what are the things that are inherently just the three impure klipas, and you'll you'll see see why I'm emphasizing on this idea of inherent. We had the body and soul of Gentiles. Yeah, the body and soul. Body and soul of animals, which are tamea, right? They're impure. Yeah. The body of the plant. The, 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 the soul of the plants, but which plants? Only not kosher. The ones that are intrinsically not kosher, right? So, so which are the first three years, Arla, or the mixed species, right? <laughs> and the... And the actions and speech and thought that are forbidden according to the Torah. Okay? Yeah. Good? Yeah. On the other hand, chapter 7. You're going to need the next page. Just letting you know. Okay. No, you're going to really, really need it. You'll see why in a second. The vitalizing soul of the Jew, which is derived from the aspect of people which is clothed in the human blood, is stated above in the souls of the animals, blah, 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 blah. Turn the page. No, really, you do need to do this. It's a giant run-on sentence. Okay? Thank you. Is that 
there is a very long run which we're going to come back to. So the animal soul and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Um, the third line on the next page. And everything in this totality of things flows and is drawn from the second graduation in the klipa and sitracha, namely a fourth klipa called klipas noga. So there's a bunch of stuff, which I skipped, right? It's a long, right? It's really, everything we mentioned at the end of chapter six is all from the three impure klipas. However, the animal soul and a bunch of other things all are the fourth klipa, klipas noga. Okay. Now. Well, the first thing I want to do is talk about why is it called Klipas Noga? So what does anyone know what the word Noga means? I mentioned this before in previous class. What does the word Noga mean? It means light. So why would it be called the Klipa of light or the shiny Klipa? The opposite. The opposite. Right. So imagine you have a wall. If you have a wall, can you tell if there's light on the other side of the wall? No. What if you have a curtain? Can you tell if there's light on the other side of the curtain? Yes. Now, is it true you can't really see what's on the other side of the curtain? But you can tell that there's light there, right? So there is a klipa, while, uh, while it is true, it is not holy and obscures godliness. It also does allow, an, it also allows in a sense that there is godliness underneath it. There's a sense of godliness kind of peering through the curtain, if you will. Yes? So we learned in the class about Kavai and do you want me to answer that honestly? Really, really, really honestly? Is it stupid question? I'm going to tell you that what you just said is heresy. It's like really, really bad thing to say. And I think I should explain why. Because what is Elohim? What does Elohim mean? Elohim is God, right? Right. Elohim is God, right? But you can say he made the klipa. Okay, he did make the klipa, right? But the klipa is not him, right? It's a completely different concept. It's a completely different concept. Now, right, all the names of Hashem, they all mean what? God. So why are you learning in a mimer that different names mean different things? God doesn't have different attributes, right? God does not have attributes. God is one thing. Right, God expresses himself differently, right? So when God chooses to express himself, right, through making distinctions and through making rules, right, then he's called Elohim. Now, it's only in that context which Klippa could come into existence, right? Because Hashem would have to say, that thing over there, I, you know, is separate from me, it's disconnected from me, it's not, right? So Klippa's come about because Hashem reveals himself in a certain way, and we talk about Hashem reveals himself, it's called Elohim. But Elohim is not a reference to the Klippa. Elohim is a reference to Hashem. Elohim is holy. Right? That's what we say Elohim. We, we don't, right? Um, and so it's very, very... It's like holiness shielding itself, whereas Klippa is... Right, right. In other words, right, for instance, if you ask me a question, I decide not to answer your question because I don't think that's educational, right? That's not a klipa. That's me making a decision about what's appropriate and inappropriate, right? Um, now, the result of that could be that you think that I don't take you seriously, and now you hate me, right? And that's going to be a problem, right? So the result of Hashem re- acting in a way that 
is that that warrants the name Elohim, one of the things that results in is nature. One of the things that results in is the idea of hierarchy. One of the things that results in is halacha. But another thing that results in is klipa. And, and there's actually different uses, different, different ways Hashem expresses his being Elohim. Um, and some of them produce holy things, like the laws of halacha, and some of them produce klipas. But without the Elohim, you wouldn't have... I have klipa. klipa. But without Elohim, you wouldn't have nature, you wouldn't have halacha, you wouldn't have anything. Nothing would exist without that, right? Because the very notion that something has a definition comes from Shem Elohim, right? So it's very important that we do not, God forbid, ever, ever equate a name of Hashem with Klippa. Okay? Good? Yeah. Okay. So, there's all these things. Now, why is it, so it's called Klippa's Noga because this Klippa, it has some translucency. There's some, there's some sense of the godliness that enlivens it, that comes through. However, okay, and, should we think of it as should we think of this Klippas Noga as like a subset of Klippa in general or something in between Klippa and holiness, Klippa and Kedusha? It should be a subset. Why? Because at the end of the day, let's use a very simple example, right? Going back to the curtain, right? If there's a curtain, you really can't see what's on the side of the curtain, right? You have knowledge of what's on the other side of the curtain, right? That there's light there. You can tell that there's a, something light there, but you can't really see, right? So if I, if I might, if in the notion, in the question of whether there is bittel, does Klippas Noga have any bittel? Remember we spoke about bittel before? Does Klippas Noga have any bittel? And the answer is no. So does Klippas Noga have any holiness? And the answer is no. no. But does Klippas Noga make it allow for the realization that there is something beyond? Is it, is it, it has that tolerance that holiness is a possibility. That potential. Right. So I'm going to give you an analogy that I like to use. Okay. Um, coal. Would you describe what coal looks and feels like? No, coal. Like, you know. It's black. It's hard. It's hard. It's not red. Coal's not hard. It's not red. It's black. What's it? Coal itself. It's black. It's hard. It's dusty. It's dirty, right? Would you describe fire? Hot, radiant, kind of ethereal, right? Yeah. Are they anything alike? No. Okay. Can you burn coal and produce fire? Yes. You could, right? So there's, a, there's the potential to, tur to turn the coal into fire, right? But that's a pretty big change, right? You see what I'm saying? So, so uh, we have to understand is that, that we're talking about Klippas Noga. It, 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 we shouldn't think of it as, we shouldn't think of it as like kind of a, we'll see later on, it's a little more complicated, but we shouldn't think of it just like a mere in-between kind of thing. It really is a klipa, but the klipa is not as coarse, it's not as thick, it's not as opaque. And another is that, so there is a, that klipa doesn't completely deny that there's some, something godly beyond itself, number one. And number two, that klipa does have the possibilities, we'll see later on, to be transformed. Okay, now. 
But as it is, that klipa is a klipa, which means, is it holy? No. Okay? And the introduction of that klipa is going to do what to godliness? It is going to block godliness, obscure godliness, right? Contaminate godliness, right? Okay. Now, what are the things that are derived from this klipa? So then we're going to go back to that sentence, which I skipped most of the bulk of. Okay? And we'll read it again from the beginning. On the other hand, the vitalizing animal soul of the Jew, which is derived from the aspect of the klipa, which clothed in the human blood, as stated above. So number one, the animal soul of a Jew comes from which klipa? Klipa snoga. The souls of the animals, beasts, birds, which are, fit, which are clean and fit for Jewish consumption, as also the existence and vitality of the entire animate and vegetable which are permissible for consumption, as well as the existence and vitality of every act, utterance, and thought in mundane matters that contain no forbidden aspect, being neither root nor branch of the 365 prohibitive commandments and their offshoots, either of the explicit authority of the Torah or by rabbinic enactment, yet are not performed for the sake of heaven, but by the will and desire or lust of the body. So, your soul, your animal soul, klipas noka. Good? All the stuff that we're allowed to eat? Right. Okay? Every action, every word, and every thought is being enlivened by the Klipa Snoga, assuming what? What are the two criteria to know every the Klipa Snoga? Every thought of every person? Of a Jew. Every action, every word, and every thought is being is Klipa Snoga. It's being enlivened by that Klipa. Uh, assuming that two conditions are met. Number one, it's not prohibited at all in any way, shape, or form. And number two, it's not being done for the sake of heaven. Good? Okay. Wait, so, what do you mean it's up? Oh, that's what we're going to talk about that. With spice and... Well, so, so now, so now so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to take our behaviors, because that's what I want to focus on right now. We're going to take our behaviors and we're going to divide our behaviors into four categories. Okay? Number one, things you're not allowed to do. And number two, things that are mitzvahs. In between those two are what? Things you're allowed to do. And the question is, are you doing them? And we have two choices here. By the person's will, desire, and lust of the body, or for the sake of heaven. Those are the two options that are given, right? Okay. So, examples. Lighting Shabbos candles? A mitzvah. Mitzvah. Not, not, so that's holiness, that's Kedusha, chapter 4, not a discussion, right? Um, lighting the candle after the sun goes down Friday. That's forbidden, right? That's the three impure klipas. Okay, right? All right. Going shoe shopping. So which one is that? Is that klipas noga? Yes. It depends. It depends if you're getting nice shoes for It depends. Are you doing... Let's just... Right before we describe it, let's make sure we have the actual wording. Is it... Your two choices are, is it the will and desire and lust of the body or... No, for the sake of heaven. Okay. And then he clarifies. Okay. Even where it is a need of the body or for its very preservation of life, but the intention is not for the sake of heaven. That is to serve God thereby. Meaning, does it need to be lustful per se? No. No. It just needs the fact that it lacks 
the, the being for the sake of heaven already means that it is for the sake of the body. Okay? There's no middle ground there. He's not giving us any middle ground. Hence my brushing the teeth example, if you remember that, right? Why did I pick that example? Because I knew what it says here, right? Brushing your teeth. Is it Yeah, people, I mean, But it's not for the sake of heaven. Okay. All, yeah. Would it be still for the sake of, body, of the body to like get something for Shabbat that helps you experience, like well, on your Shabbat, or is that like? Okay. Or is that for the body because you need that to help you experience something else that's for God? One second. So, that's a fair question, but we're going to deal with that later. Okay. okay. Right now, I want to. So, what I want to do is I want to. I want you to to visually see. The, the thought process, okay? And right now we're gonna focus on our actions. We're not gonna focus on things. Later on in the chapter, we're gonna talk about the actual foodstuffs themselves. Those are gonna be interesting. But for now, we're gonna talk about our actions, our speech, and our thought, okay? So. Okay. I'm gonna do this with a line, okay? But you could use another. These are all of our actions, okay? Yeah. Okay. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna cut off a bunch of actions over here. These are yes, Okay? We all have examples. Eating matzah, shaking lula, giving tzedakah, paying your workers on time, returning a lost object, saying the words of davening, saying a bracha, Right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Okay, these things are what category? These are Kedusha. Kedusha means that the holiness of God resides within them because those things are what? Because those things are what? They're Bethel, remember? Something is Kedusha. Okay, over here, I'm gonna cut omega line, and these things are sins. And these things are what kind of klipas? Uh, so you're going to be gimel klipas. Gimel klipas, right? Yeah. Good? Okay. That leaves a lot of room, right? Because there's a lot of stuff in life which is not a sin and not a mitzvah. Right. Sleeping, eating, going to work, buying shoes, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth playing chess, reading an interesting novel for a man when, he's not, when he couldn't otherwise be learning Torah, or for a woman assuming that there's nothing forbidden in the novel. Okay? I, I go on and on. There's a bunch of stuff, right? Okay? Mm -hmm. And what are we saying? Okay. We're going to cut another category here. We're going to say, if it is for the sake of heaven, That's category number four. What's going on for the sake of heaven? I don't know. We're going to exclude that. We're not talking about that. You see what I'm saying? I'm not, what goes here? Did, we, didn't, we didn't discuss that yet. So I'm just It's just not the topic that we're talking about right now, right? The topic we're talking about is here. It's obviously not a mitzvah. It's not a sin, right? So those are three for klipas, right? And it's not for the sake of heaven, right? So what are those things? That is going to be defined as... Yeah, the lust of the body. These things are lust 
And that includes, even if you need it. Right? When you really, really need it, it's still considered lust of the body. body. Okay? And what category is those things? That's going to be? Clippers Nega. That's what we're talking about here. Okay? Now, the key point for our purpose right now is the bookmarks. What is it not? Not what it is. It's not a sin. And it's not for the sake of heaven. Therefore, it is for, by definition, if you're doing something, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? It's for the body. Now, why does the fact that it's for the body automatically make a clip of snow go? So the Altarab explains. All of these acts, utterances, and thoughts are no better than the vitalizing animal soul itself. In other words, if I do something, that doing something is in service of what? It's in service of, well, if it's a mitzvah, totally. If it's, in, if it's for the sake of heaven, that's an interesting discussion. I'll talk about that later, right? If it's a sin, well, it's in service of the evil demonic forces, right? Okay. Which is not me, right? Because my animal soul is what? Cleopas Nova, right? Okay. So actually, let's put up here. Let's put up here. There's three things, right? There's me, Hashem. Yeah? <coughs> now, the demonic forces, what kind of cleave are they? What? The three impure cleave ones, right? And these demonic forces, how do they feel about Hashem? Uh, they really don't like him, right? Okay. And anything in Hashem is obviously holy, right? Right. So now, mitzvahs, those are Hashem's things, so they're holy. Good? For the sake of heaven also. For sake of heaven, I'm going to leave alone. It's complicated. Okay? I'm leaving that alone, right? If a sin, a sin is not, who is a sin really serving? Like, if you, if you do a sin, who are you really helping out here? Are you really helping yourself out? No. No. Who are you helping out? No. No, you are helping out. Demonic. These demonic forces, right? So that really... Right. Like those are the sins. What about if you're doing something not for Hashem, not in service of the divine force, you're just doing it for yourself? Well, what is you? You are your animal soul, and your animal soul is? Right? In other words, what's the logic? The logic here is every action you take, which is not a sin and not a mitzvah, or not for the sake of heaven, is the service of your own animal soul. So that means those actions are no way superior to your animal soul. Yeah? Good? Okay. Now, we're going to take a little break from the Tanya because there's something that's important to clarify at this point, which is a little bit um, not, it's not really evident from the Tanya. Remember where we spoke about mitzvahs, when you do mitzvahs, that mitzvahs elevate the godly soul? Remember that? Right, that, you know, as we spoke about this idea that the, the, the thought, speech, and action, the garments of the soul have a power to raise the soul higher than where it normally is? Okay. 
Well, if you do something that's Klipa Snoga, what does that do to your animal soul? It strengthens it. Now, the same way mitzvahs elevate the godly soul, what do, what do the acts of Klipas Noga do? What? They, they, right, they drag down. Now, it's still within the realm of Klipas Noga, but within Klipas Noga, you can have more Klipas Noga and less Klipas Noga. Now, the algorithm says this later on, explicitly, actually. Okay? But every single time you do something, or say something, or think something, which is not a mitzvah, not a sin, it's in service of your animal soul, right? So it's not only that your animal soul's klipa is now extending more out into the world, it's also going to have a, a, a feedback effect on the animal soul that it actually strengthens the klipa snoga of the animal soul. Which means, whose klipa snoga, all things being equal, is going to be more intense? An older person or a younger person? An older person. An older person. So the Klippa Noga can never lose power? It can, but that's basically what the tzaddik is. The tzaddik is, which, yeah, that, that's pretty rare. And chapter 10 talks about how that happens. Yeah. It's, it's definitely time is not a factor that would cause that to happen. What? Time, time, time works the reverse, right? Because, I mean, the longer you live, the more bad times you've been to the bathroom. And every time you go to the bathroom, what are you doing to your animal soul? Point? I'm saying I don't get why. Actually, I mean, why are the point? Those are two different things. Like the point is in the. We like, discussed the point. I'm saying, I'm saying like that if going to the bathroom is Klippa Snaga and it's a bad thing, why? Why is like I don't know. We didn't finish the chapter. That's exactly the thing that we're not supposed to worry about right now, right? Should you ever ask about the point of something until you have all the information? Right, like, you don't, you, like, we're just learning, we're just learning just some very, like, take one step at a time. At the end of chapters, when we finish chapter seven, we're gonna go over and do like a, a summary of how it all fits together, what we're supposed to practice, we're supposed to take. Right now we just want to like, make sure we have it, everything clear, okay? Yes. Klipas Nova. Because when you do something that's not for that's not a mitzvah, not for the sake of Hashem, it's for the sake of the animal soul. Therefore, it's no superior to the animal soul. And there's an additional thing: it actually strengthens the klipa of the animal soul. Okay. So now, what that means is like this. Okay. If you recall that we spoke about like what the that there's like a psychological manifestation to the klipas. So what's the psychological manifestation of Klipa Sanoga? Is that everything is about me. Okay. So here's just a very simple thing. Whose bracha counts for more in God's eyes? My brachas or my three-year-old's brachas? Your brachas. No. My three-year-old's brachas count for more. Because he's much more. Why? Because I have no obligation. Because when he says a bracha, yeah, when he says a bracha, how much of his saying a bracha is about that Hashem wants him to say a bracha, and how much of it is it about like himself? A lot of it. 
Neither is neither. What? Oh, this is very good. So this is very good. So we have to, what we have to do is, what we have to do is we have to realize that there's two ways of looking at it. One way of looking at it is we're going to look at the child and we're going to say, what are the child's motivations? Okay? But another thing you can say is like this, right? Everything that happens is because of Hashem's desire, right? So ultimately when, Hashem, when the child's saying the bracha, right, that's Hashem's will, right? And that's, okay. So now just ask yourself a different question, right? How, the, how much is the child mixing in their own ulterior motives into the bracha? And the answer is, so therefore the bracha remains pure. Now, if you're asking me a separate question, which is how much has he infused that bracha with a love and a fear? And, 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 and the answer is nothing, right? In other words, his bracha, when I say his bracha is pure, I don't mean that his intentions are pure. What I mean is, there's no, there's no ulterior motive, and so therefore the holiness of the bracha doesn't get in any way contaminated. Why is there no ulterior motive? Because he's a child and he hasn't that much developed sense of self. Because he hasn't eaten that much. And he hasn't gone shopping that much. And he hasn't had that many toys. And he hasn't had that much social respect given to him. And all the other things that we do for the sake of ourselves will strengthen our sense of things are about me. So what advantage do people who live on almost no physicality, what do they have over other people? Not necessarily anything, because you can, you can, you can, you can, the Rebbe Rashab says that, that you not indulging is not necessarily going to get rid of the klipa. I mean, after all, if your motivation for not indulging in something is in order to feed your sense of superiority, then then you're not eating is an act of klipa just as much as your act of eating is an act of klipa. No, if someone is a spiritual person and they don't need 10 pairs of shoes and eat in fancy restaurants, what, what advantage do they have in this? Your breath is more... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. The more, I mean... The, the, there, that, isn't that assuming they're not getting somewhere else? That's true. I made that assumption in the question, yeah. The less sleep you have, the more purity there is. That's true. That's true. It's not just, it's not just black and white. The second you start buying things, the more purity you have, it's like where it comes from. Yeah. Is it very simple? The less you buy. No, no, it's, it's, no, it's very much. You feel much better. It's not about how much you buy, it's about where your head is. But to think about it, if you like, so, so here's the issue, right? So if you're eating because you enjoy the, right now I'm going to do what we've learned up till now, okay? I, I, I want everyone to know that we're, because we're doing things complicated, it, in order to make a complicated thing easier, you start off with only having a few categories and then slowly you subdivide. You don't just give all 20 different categories at once. It overwhelms the mind, right? If I'm eating food because I enjoy eating the food, who am I serving? Kosher food. Who am I serving? Yourself. Myself. If I start eating healthy because I don't want to die young, I serve it myself, right? If I waste money because like, I enjoy you know, shopping, who am I serving? Yourself. If I decide to be frugal, yeah, so it's right? In other words, we don't care what it is. It's just, it's not a sin. It's not for the sake of heaven or a mitzvah. You're serving yourself, right? And so it really almost like saying, doesn't matter. You can be like, and think about it. Some people like they, they like, a person who who doesn't eat right a lot, and they live a very ascetic lifestyle in order that they can have some kind of spiritual experiences. Who are they serving? Themselves. 
So fasting is going to be the same problem. What? Why? Because when you're not serving yourself, you're just having to eat Mind no, but you can. No, that's yes, not. You, you can yes, be serving you yourself. Someone you know. who sits and like meditates and doesn't eat all day and go shopping all day and have a fancy car isn't all day serving themselves. They most definitely could be serving themselves. There's so many stories of people that like, like they just sit and think about like even if they're not doing anything. Maybe them, but they're aiming for something. Fine. It's a more refined version of yourself. It's a maybe nobler version of yourself. Maybe, in other words, in other words, this is very important. This, this putting everything on the same, um, uh, 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 in the same category is when we're talking about relative to the notion of kedusha. Do we mean to say that someone? I mean, let's just run through. If you sit and eat all the food that you like, or you decide not to eat the food that you like so much, rather eat healthy. There's certainly better that you're eating healthy. Because, I mean, just it's smarter. You're going to live longer, right? right? There's, more, there's more self-control, right? There's, there's any number of reasons why I say that's better. But in the realm of question of whether it is in the service, whether this is in any way a bittle to Hashem, or it's a service of one's own animal soul, in that, it's the soul service of your animal soul. Yeah, 100%. So now, if you were to go ask the Alter Rebbe, well... Shai might as well just like be, be, be a, a, you know, an indulgent hedonist because it's all the same. He's not going to say that. Even when we learn now, it's not all the same. You're better off having, you know, yes. working on trying to have be a better version of yourself, right? That's certainly a good idea. Okay. Um, in, other words, in other words, which kind of person is it better for you to be? Is it better for you to be a short-sighted, self-absorbed, um, um, out of control person or a mature, thoughtful person? Obviously the latter, right? Okay. But you could be working on all that stuff because it's better for you. And if you're doing that because it's better for you, then it's really all just Klippasnoga. Because it's in service of you and what are we? We are animal soul and animal soul is And the more you do that, even though you become maybe more refined as a person and more mature as a person and more dignified as a person, but you've become more and more of a klipa because you've been putting all this effort into doing these things, these actions, right? Mm -hmm. Which are the service of the animal soul. Even like giving would be a service of the animal soul. Yeah, I want to separate out. It's a complication if the thing that you're doing is technically also a mitzvah. Okay. No, no, if it's a mitzvah, it's automatically kedushin. You say, well, what if I'm doing this for the wrong reason? It's an interesting question. We'll learn about that in chapter... 39. Oh, so we won't do that. <laughs> okay. And that'd be like doing a mitzvah because it makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. But, but let's, let's talk about things that are not mitzvahs. Yeah, if you're doing something that's not a mitzvah and you're doing it because it makes you a better person, then what are you serving? Yourself. Yourself. We're all self-serving. We're all self-serving. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Good? Mm -hmm. All right. Now. No, he doesn't think it's funny. There are other things he thinks are funny, but that he doesn't think is funny. What? Every time Jews find a way of outsmarting God, he thinks it's funny. So, what is the thing about this idea that he created? What? 
What is he I believe the Gemara says that Hashem regrets it. What? Yep. You all always know that. So. What? I think because the Gemara is prophetic. <laughs> it's going to know everything. <laughs> That's right. It was on a WhatsApp. <laughs> okay. Well, then you can change it, so you don't see those Well, there's two different kinds of regret. It's a common mistake. There's, two, there's kinds of regret where um, I look back on what I did and saying, looking back on what I did, I shouldn't have done that. But, yeah, exactly. When you look back, you would still right. There's it. right. There's that. There's a different kind of regret, which you can regret something even as you're doing it. Yeah. What does it mean you regret something even as you're doing? Give an example of regretting something even as you're doing it. You're going off a roller coaster. You know it's wrong. You know it's wrong, but you're doing it anyway. Well, that I wouldn't say regretting. What? And I wouldn't say that. I don't. I wouldn't call that regret. You know there's going to be consequences. You did not want to go on a trip and you forced off your bow and the whole, like, the ads are going yeah, No, but now you regret, you're, you're regretting is what you did in no, the past. You're stuck with it. Yeah, because you're stuck. And going. Yeah, on the road because it's going up that horrible. No, 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 no. no. Uh, guys, you want something that's analogous to Shem, but you really could stop it. It's like, I'd rather die than die that you need to be doing, you don't really want to Saying you want to do another thing. You need to be doing it, but you really... Right, it's really unpleasant to do. Why is that a regret? Um, like, for instance, if you have to, here's an example, if you have to tell somebody they just lost a close family member, the, there's a kind of, the feeling, the feeling, yes. It's like, yes. Yeah, like people regret. say, I regret, or, I mean, now it's becoming an old formal way of saying it. I regret to inform you, blah, blah, blah. If, you, if you're regretting, why are you doing it? But their regretting means something. But how can you say Hashem has a need to do something? Fine, that's a good question, which we're not learning in this chapter. But you just asked, how does he feel about it? The way he feels about it is like somebody telling somebody that their child just passed away. It's something you, you're going to lie to them and tell them not. You feel you have to do it, but it's really unpleasant. So, so regret doesn't mean like that's a bad Right. Regret, and if you think about it, what regret, what all these different means of regret and have in, in common also in, in, in the Hebrew Chorata is this sense of of, of that you're not comfortable with it. That's really what regret is at. Is that it really just it, it it doesn't sit well with you emotionally, right? It's going back to like when you do chuba and you think back of the experience and you enjoy the memory. On some level, it still sits well with you. So it means you don't really regret it. Right? The regretting is the sense. The way the way the Chassidus puts it is regretting is what's called the kiyosrots, removing any sense of of fondness or attachment or desire from the thing. So you can do something because you know it needs to get done and feel no positivity towards it whatsoever. And so you regret. It feels uncomfortable. Sure. As long as the things that, as long as the things that you're regretting are negative. If the things you're regretting are positive, then it would be negative. And there's a definition of regret. No, that regret of the very means that you don't look back and you don't enjoy what you did. Well, that's crazy too. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 as a parent, this happens all the time. So there's the regret of like a parent, like they lose control, they do things they, they, they should know they shouldn't have done. But then there's something you have to do as a parent. And you just really wish you didn't have to do it. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that. You know, like, it's really unpleasant, like, to punish your children. It really is. Yeah. 
as a parent, you're doing because you're in a way responsible for your kid. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of saying that that Hashem is responsible to something, but Hashem can't be responsible to anything but himself. So there's a there's a there's a pasuk where Shlomo Melech says. Um, um, which means one who withholds the rod hates his son. So you often quote in English as spares the rod, spoils the child, but that's not what it means. It spares the rod, hates his son. No, what does that mean? What? Yeah, so here's the thing. Have you ever been a counselor? Because you haven't been parents. Have you been a counselor? Or, yeah? Okay. What is more enjoyable? To discipline the counselors or not to discipline the counselors? Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you don't discipline the counselors, what's going to happen? What's going to the, count, the campers? What's going to happen to the campers? They're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt themselves, right? Physically, emotionally, morally, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're basically saying is you care more about the pleasantness of your experience than these people. No, that's why you rebuke them. What? No, that's why you rebuke them. That's why you, that's why you do impose discipline, right? Okay. Well, all the more so if you have a parent, right? So what this tells us is the dynamic is that if you care about something, the thing that you care about may require you to do things you find extremely unpleasant, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing is true. There are things that Hashem cares about, which is, again, the not topic of conversation right now. And the things that He cares about, the only way to achieve them is to also do things that Hashem finds extremely distasteful, such as enlivening the klipas. And so he regrets it. Now, it's obviously not identical, right? Because... So right now, when there's tragedy, he thinks we're not learning our lesson and he's trying to do what we're... I don't know. Not, every, not, not everything has to be... The, the, the example of discipline just is meant to indicate the notion that sometimes when you care about one thing, it requires you to do something else which is distasteful. I don't mean to say that discipline is the correct explanation for every single thing that happens. That's not true. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that's discussed later in Tanya. I mean, this is, you know. In later in Tanya, like not, I'm not asking what they are, but is, is it discussed like what the things are that he cares about? Yes. And when you understand what those things are, it's kind of obvious why there needs to be Kleep in order for those things and um, why. It, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Um, now, what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of doing something for the sake of heaven, what that actually means. What? You don't want me to talk about that? So, have anyone heard of Kutsk? Yes. What do you know about Kutsk? He says, the Kutsker Rebbe was very, very extreme. Yeah. Uh, one time the Kutsker Rebbe was criticized for being extreme. And he said, the Rambam, the, Rambam, the Rambam says you're supposed to always go in the middle path. And so the Kutsker Rebbe pointed outside. He said, you see the street? In the street, who walks in the middle of the road? The horses. The people are on the extremities. So if you're an animal, you're going to take the middle path. If you're a person... Um, 
when the Kutzker Rebbe was a young man, he was looking for God, and he decided to get involved in Chassidus. And his father was really not happy about this. Does Kutzker still exist? No. There's a lot of Chassidus that, that the, Kutzker, Kutzker was a one-time thing. But the Kutzker Rebbe had several, the Kutzker, yeah, no, really, he said he only wanted 50 good men. He couldn't even find that. Um, but he, uh, in the end, there were, there were, the Kutzker Rebbe had several Tamidim. Um, and they branched off into different things. And the most famous is Ger. Yeah. Ger Chassidim. Um, They're not what? They're not uh, in certain things. But no, Kutz doesn't. Anyway. Kutz, um, so, so the Kutz Gerber, when he was, so his father was very unhappy. So just to give you a sense, you asked about him disagreeing with the Rambam. So. Um, his, his father was very unhappy. He said, it says in the Pasuk, Zekeli v'anvehu, this is my God and I will glorify him. God of my father and I will exalt him. He says, first I have to find my God and afterwards I'll worry about the God of my father's. That was the cut of his attitude. Okay, so like as a Lubavitcher, you're like, I'm trying to reconcile how could what the cut said, what the Rabbah said, but like, the cut said, if it's true, it's true. If the Rabbah didn't say, so the Rabbah, like, he wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, Kutzke Rebbe was very extreme. So the Kutzke Rebbe was, was a young man. I've heard different versions of the story. One was that it was a chassid of the Kutzke, but another version was Kutzke himself. He, he, was, he was a young man, so he was at his father-in-law's house. And his father-in-law had the custom, as many, many chassidim do, not in Chabad, to, um, before they partake of the different dishes, say, L'chavad Shabbos Kaibish. Of course, partake of the different dishes. To eat from them. No. At the meal. Meaning, like, right, right. So, so, like, the, the fish comes, you sit down, you talk first by fish, you say, Chumash Abbas Kodesh, and you. So, 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 and this is like a real, uh, it's a real custom. And um, so, he couldn't bear this. And so, yeah. went the Kutzker Rebbe, he was a young man at his father in law's house. And the, the food came, and he t- put up, and he says, in the sake of my stomach. And he ate it. And his father and his law says, it's a mistake. It's not, it's not the right, it's not what you're supposed to say. It's not the nusach. It's a mistake of the nusach. Tos in the nusach. And so he said, he said, he said in Yiddish, a tos, a It's a mistake, but it's true. I'm eating it because I, it's for my stomach. It's not for God. It's not for Shabbos. It's for my stomach. Don't. Uh... Okay. So here's the thing. For the sake of heaven, for the sake of anything means motivation. The English word here we're looking for is motivation, not intention. Okay, what do I mean? There are many things that you have in mind while you're doing things. I'm just going to illustrate an example. You do something, right? You can tell yourself while you're doing it, it's for X, Y, and Z, right? Are you necessarily telling the truth? No. No. Okay, the way you can see this is very often you'll, very often you'll do something, and someone will ask you why you did it. Like, and when you did it, you, you weren't actually remotely aware of why you did it, right? And the implication of their question is that you must have had like a bad motivation for what you did. So you immediately scramble to come up with a plausible motivation, right? And so you're telling yourself a story about why you're doing what you're doing after the fact, right? In order to make yourself seem like a decent person in the eyes of that other person, right? Well, most of what's going on in our head while we're doing what we're doing and telling ourselves why we're doing what we're doing is doing that except the audience is ourselves. So when I tell myself, oh, the reason why like, 
um, I'm talking to this person is I really care about them and I really want to help them. Is that necessarily true? No. How are you really going to check what your real motivations are? How do you check? How do you figure that out? I'm not saying you should, by the way. There's a separate question of whether you really should spend a lot of time evaluating your motivations. But if you were going to, how would you do it? How? We're really good at lying to ourselves. Like, what's in your head, what you're saying in your head at the time is like very... How do you go about being honest with yourself? You don't just like, I am honest, then poof, everything becomes clear to you about yourself. If you or the other person can know the intention, you still do it. Okay. You, you, you've touched on the right thing, which is you look at other circumstances and see what you do. You take so, away that certain factor. You that's right. So, well, if, if a person is actively trying to deceive themselves or something else, so, so when I was a bacher, I remember what Mishpim said. Um, he said, "Don't tell me you're eating the schnitzel on Shabbos in the honor of Shabbos when you also eat it on Tuesday." But what? Don't tell me that you're eating the schnitzel in honor of Shabbos if you also eat schnitzel on, the, on Tuesdays. You're eating schnitzel because you like it and it's being served. That's why you're eating it, right? Proof being is that when it's not Shabbos, you eat the same amount of schnitzel with the same gusto. It's nothing to do with Shabbos. But it's not so simple because you have several motivations. That's true. That's true. And therefore, we can say things get complicated, right? Um, you know, like, how do you know that your person's drinking coffee in order to be awake to daven? Well, you would have to see situations where... Right, like for instance, where um, they, they don't need the coffee, right? Like sometimes you wake up and you really, you know, you know, right? Or, right, you can also look at other things like what you're rushing through and what you're spending time on, right? There are ways to check, but it usually is in the actual conduct of things that will inform you as to what your motivations are. Words, we don't really, for the most part, have like direct access into our underlying, into our real motivations. What you have to do is you have to make, honestly look at what you're really doing, what you're really not doing, and then, okay, well, given that, what really seems like is your motivation here? Like, if a person, I'll give you an example, right? If a person, if, 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 if a person um, spends a lot of time um, cooking, right? How do you know what their motivations are? Well, if they spend a lot of time cooking. Like, let's say they have a family, you have to put them on their own somewhere. If they stop cooking, like, obviously, there are other factors that have changed, but like, assuming you could just eliminate one factor, eliminate the family, see if they're still cooking. Right. So right, if you see that like, the, the, the amount of time that he's cooking seems to be kind of proportional to the amount of people that have to be served, well, that's pretty clear. Their motivation for cooking is getting food on the table. It's not so complicated, right? But on the other hand, right, if they're just by themselves right, and they still spend a lot of time cooking, then they probably are really, really into eating certain kinds of food or they really enjoy the act of cooking or something like that's going on because why are they spending so much time on it, right? Okay. Um, there was a, a chassid... Whose name was um, Beryl Kesselman. Beryl Kesselman was a, was a mashpia. He was the son of a very famous mashpia named Shlomo Chaim Kesselman. Beryl Kesselman was like a real, a real Hasidic Jew. Um, and um, 
so his grandson tells a story that one time he was at his, his uh, grandfather's house for Shabbos, and, and his grandmother's Bubby wasn't there for whatever reason. The Bubby had prepared the whole Shabbos meal. The fish and the soup and the meat and everything. He says his grandfather was like a very, he was, a very, he was, like, he was not, not into like the physical things in the world, right? So they, they made Kiddush, they had challah, they had you know, the fish and whatever, and they started, for Bregni started telling Hasidic stories and they sang Nagunim, another story and more Nagunim, and it was very, very engaged and they were having a good time. And, and, um, and uh, you know, hours went by, and uh, he says, okay, let's bench. So his grandson didn't say anything, and he took the bench. He says, oh, I forgot the soup <laughs> and, the, and the chicken. Because, like, his, his wife, no, he, he, like, for him, what's Suda Shabbos? Suda Shabbos is you sit and you frang, you tell stories, you, uh, something on the parsh, you sing the gunam, that's hours. You, you eat a little something, right? It's not, that's not what Shabbos is, Suda Shabbos is for him. And normally his wife's the one taking care of it, making sure the food gets out, right? And if his grandson hadn't been there, he probably wouldn't have eaten it. But he's not going to deprive his grandson of the, of, you know, the three-course meal. It's just, it slipped his mind, because that's not... So that, those are kinds of things, like, where's his motivation? What is, how does he view it? What's really driving the person? It's so amazing. Right? So what does it mean you do something for the sake of heaven? Otherwise, you, do it not you wouldn't otherwise do it. That's exactly what it means. It means you otherwise wouldn't do it. Yeah? To drink coffee for the sake of heaven means that unless, it's in, unless I actually need it for the mitzvah, I wouldn't really do it. That's really hard. Now, can you therefore just decide, and this is very important, can you just decide to do things for the sake of heaven? No. No. You can't really change it. You can change your motivations, but you change your motivations by changing your underlying attitudes and feelings. Change. So what if, what if, let's say, you really stopped doing it in the week? Let's take that example on a weekday, and then you give on Shabbos. There are ways to work on this, okay? But the thing is, doing something, it requires a change in lifestyle. Chassidus says to do something for the sake of heaven is only you're able to do that. Chassidus says like this, why is it like, for instance, you're not supposed to really do things before you daven? In halacha, when you wake up in the morning, you're not supposed to do anything until you've davened. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. But some, it says you can drink water, you can't talk. Okay, I'm, I'm, fine. I'm not, I'm, is it the, there's like a general idea, and then there's the details. The general idea is, from the moment you wake up, what sh- you shouldn't be doing anything other than You're drinking water because you couldn't dive it anyway. Would that be for the sake of heaven? Maybe. Why are you allowed to do things after you dive it? So the Chassidus explains, because once you've dive you've cultivated a love of Hashem, a respect for Hashem, and now it's possible to do things for the sake of heaven. Of course. So if you have two motivations, one, I guess you can't, because if you have any motivation not for the sake of heaven, No, you can have multiple motivations. You can have multiple motivations. You have one for the sake of heaven and one for your body? Sure. Sure. In other words, in other words, it could be, and I'll, I'll, for instance, I have definitely, like, I like drinking coffee. Okay. So I'll use coffee as an So I definitely, most of the days where I'm drinking coffee, like, if I'm be honest, the motivation for drinking coffee is that I enjoy drinking coffee in the morning. I feel better after drinking the coffee. And that's that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are times, though, where, like, like I've been at Febrengen's and it's late at night and I'm tired and... I drink the coffee for one reason, one reason only, that I shouldn't fall asleep at the Fabregna. Right? And otherwise, I wouldn't be drinking the coffee. Right? But the thing is, 
the more you examine motivation, it's a whole world, right? It's not a black and white kind of a thing, right? There's primary motivation, secondary motivations, motivations that you're maybe more aware of, less aware of, right? But the thing is, even though on our chart we're making it very black and white, right? You should realize that that there is a kind of a, 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 a complexity here, right? That you can have multiple motivations, right? You would drink coffee if you really needed to stay awake in order to serve Hashem, and you would also drink coffee just because it tastes good, so which means you drink coffee most of the time is probably some mixture thereof, okay? Which means the Klippa situation of that action is kind of messy, okay? But my one you understand is the idea of telling yourself why you're doing it doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything. In fact, you're better off not telling yourself something that isn't true. Okay? Yeah, there were certain very great people who developed a kind of mastery over themselves that they would push off doing things until they could do it for the right motivations. So you have to have a tremendous amount of mastery over yourself. Like there was there there were chassidim who would who would um, like not eat until they felt that their motivations were genuinely only eating in order to serve Hashem. Right? But that's, so that's it's reli- that's a scapula. That's a different thing. No, but but the thing is the thing is this requires a tremendous amount of mastery over your over your own self, right? Like the kind of emotional regulation you need is to be very, very profound. So this what I want. Do you until the soul motivation towards Hashem? I think each person. I think each. I think I think I think each person will be different. It's prime motivation, secondary motivation. But this is, the thing is, the starting point is developing motivation is more on a holistic level. Okay. And it's also very hard to develop the right motivations if you're still in the throes of the wrong motivations. Yeah. Okay. So. This notion that you're doing something for the sake of heaven, like it sounds like very nice, but it's actually very difficult. Um, can you get me the give me the Rambam, um, the one that says Mada? It's got the Aleph with the one star. That big brown book. See if I can find this quickly enough.
Okay. Um. Okay, I can't find the exact page, so I'll do. I'll, I'll paraphrase. The Rambam, when he discussed the idea of doing everything for the sake of heaven, he actually breaks it up at the stage. He says, first, a person shouldn't just eat because they like the food. They should eat. Or sorry, first, a person should only work in order to make enough money for what they actually need, not just they have luxuries. Then, once you're buying things that you need, right, you shouldn't just like eat food just because it tastes good. Rather, you should eat food in order to be healthy. And then, you shouldn't just try to be healthy for its own sake. You should try to be healthy because being healthy enables you to surf a shat, right? But the idea is like, there's like a little bit of a, like, if the way you spend your time is trying to make an extra buck because you want to have more money, that you don't really need, right? And then you're gonna say, then you're doing something for the sake of heaven, like there's a disconnect there. Is working because you love the work you're doing and assuming the work isn't directly serving Shem, is that just the same as working for extra money? In the sense of Kedusha, it is, because it's, it's, it's Klippus Nova. In the sense of, of personal growth, it's not, because if you're doing it just for extra money, there's something kind of silly about that. Like you're wasting time that is irreplaceable for money which is replaceable. Whereas if you're doing it because you enjoy what you're doing, then one can argue that it's a quality use of your time, right? So on the level of human development, they're not the same. But in regards to whether it's Kedusha or Klippa, it's the same. Is it serving Hashem if you're, that helps you appreciate the world you're living in? Or is that no, like not necessarily. Yeah. 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 Human beings are fascinated by their environment, right? So I mean, it feels great. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's serving Hashem. Okay, the the key thing here is that motivation. Really, we have to understand motivation is motivation. So, for instance, um, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to try and get a person to to work on motivation if it's not really where they're holding. Okay, so the beginning stages of actually developing the right motivations would be like. Developing a basic appreciation for connection to Hashem, right? Developing a sense of disdain for just being just irrationally indulgent, right? Th those are the kinds of things you'd have to work on in the beginning, right? The idea that you're just going to, I'm doing it for Hashem's sake. You're just going to decide that. It's ridiculous, okay? Um, now, this is separate from the question of whether the act actually leads to positive benefits. We're not, because notice, notice here, we're talking about mitzvahs, we don't care what your motivation is, right? It's holy. And if it's a sin, we don't care what your motivation is, it's shlosh klipas right? But here, we're saying it's klipas noga because it's motivated by taking care of your animal soul. And here, when it's for the sake of it, that's not what's motivating it. So it's something else, whatever it is. So the, 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 the issue here is that the motivation changes the nature of the activity. It changes the quality of the activity. What kind of being is enlivening that? And so, which is independent of whether you're saying that activity ultimately leads to something positive or not, right? I mean, after all, I can go to work and make money for selfish reasons, then use that money for good stuff, right? But my going to work is for my own selfish reasons. This make sense? Okay. So now. I want to, because we have a little bit of time left, I want to make a takeaway from this. 
What feeling, if we stop the chapter here, what feeling should we have that would be accurate based on what we've learned and constructive? Yes. I would say humility. When you realize that most of what you do is for yourself, right? Everything you do is Right. And I mean, for the sake of heaven, we now have appreciation of how, like, how that category is not such a, that's not such a straightforward category, right? And not saying we never do that, right? We have moments of that, but, so then, then how do you, should you feel about yourself? Superior to other people? No, right? Because they also all are the same. Yeah, I'm not saying you should feel that everybody's greater than you. Just like like this sense, like this is a good way to kill any holier than thou sense. Should you feel a bit embarrassed that everything I do is for me? I am a little embarrassed as a natural. In front of Hashem, at least. Yeah, there's a certain level of embarrassment. Yeah. I have a question. But but the, the, uh, the, I just want to finish the train of thought. Well, I said a feeling that a desense means you means you just like write it off. I'm saying that this is a fact. Everything I do is for myself. Right, and so therefore, let me put it to you differently, yeah? One of the things that people often do is they try and tell a story where they have a certain superiority over others. Right. Well, if you have this in mind, then, then what does that do to that story? Right? So how could it be, this is something you would see by great, so how do you have someone who's like a great scholar and a great servant of God and all these things and he's a good person how come he feel like an equal to somebody who's just like you know because he realizes that on some level how much of what he does is really just yeah and okay is it different it's different is it on higher levels higher level but fundamentally we're it's the same issue right that instead of a life that is centered or and around Kedusha, it's a life. Yeah. There was a, a chassid who said, there was a chassid who was very, very ill. Um, and he, 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 lived a, he just suffered a lot. And um, he wasn't allowed to eat very much. It was bad for his health. He said, his system couldn't handle it. So the only food he ate every day was a little piece of herring and half a glass of milk. If he had more than that, it would like, put his digestive system into some sort of shock or whatever. And... Um, so someone's asked him how he's doing. He says, if only my ruchnius, my spiritual life, would be like my physical life. So like your physical, like what he was asked was, your physical life is a disaster, right? He says, yeah, but when I drink my half a glass of milk, I'm into it. I, I, get, I, I get rejuvenated by it. And, and that doesn't speak to me the same way. And this is the issue, is that the, the thing that we find most motivating is that it feeds me. And that's what he meant. Even though I might be, my physical life is just, is very, is, is, is very tragic, but it resonates with me in a way that my service of Hashem just doesn't. And the person's honest about that. It doesn't mean you should beat yourself up, but then maybe you should like feel like, okay, we're kind of all in the same boat on some level, right? And, and that's probably a good thing it's about getting along with people and not having what often happens is that religion turns into a way of being holier than those around you. Okay, so that's just a, a takeaway from just this idea in itself. You had a question? I did not. Oh, I was going to ask There are five minutes. I have more to do with that. Okay.
Thank you very much. Did I have a question? <laughs>